So last week, we started a brand new series called Wisdom or Folly. Whether you're surfing the news or social media or having conversations with your relatives about politics, which is always fun. Who enjoys that? Politics with the family. So I believe some of us in the room actually like that, like I do, Steve does. And then some are like running out the door, right? Like, I'll come back in a little bit. I'm going to get a bag of ice. And meanwhile, it's negative 30 degrees outside, (laughs) right? But wisdom or folly, like how do we know which voice to listen to? How do we know which friend or family member is right? How do we know when our enemies have a nugget of truth in their delivery? How do we know if it's wisdom or folly? How do we know when to listen? That's why we have God's Word. And... The Proverbs is a little bit difficult to teach through. And I actually had a, a, a buddy last week go, man, that's crazy that you're teaching through the Proverbs. Do you not remember what happened to King Solomon at the end of his life? And I said, yes, I know. What's cool is it's a good example for us. Like we can have all the, all the wisdom and information and knowledge in the world, but if we don't choose to follow Christ, you know, if we follow our own heart, which is deceitful above all things. I mean, that path, painful. So, week two. Actually, let me do a recap of week one. I'm going to read through Proverbs 1, 1, 7. is what we started with last week. It says, The Proverbs of Solomon, son of David, king of Israel, for gaining wisdom and instruction. These are why we have the Proverbs. For understanding words of insight, for receiving instruction and prudent behavior, doing what is right and just and fair. Our soul, our soul like is dying for this, right? That we see what is right and just and fair in our own worlds, in our leaders in this country, in our community, in our workplace, in our families, for giving prudence to those who are simple, without moral direction and inclined to evil, and knowledge and discretion to the young. Let the wise listen <clears throat> add to their learning and let the discerning get guidance. So it's, it's for both of those who don't yet have wisdom and for those who have lived many years and seen many things and decided I'm going to live by wisdom. It's for both of us. For understanding proverbs and parables and the sayings of the wise, their riddles. The fear of the Lord, this is where we landed last week, is the beginning. It's the beginning of knowledge but here's the warning, but fools despise wisdom and destruction. That's me at times, right? Who's willing to admit that they've been a fool at times and you've despised wisdom? Because <laughs> it doesn't feel good on that first delivery. It's just like, why is this person cracking at me again? You know? It's that whole, you know, like scripture is for who? It's for me, it's for my heart. It's so that I could hopefully pull the log out of my own eye, right? Instead of worrying about the speck in my brothers. The wisdom is for us to gain wisdom, and this is counterintuitive. If you still don't get it, we can have coffee this week and talk about it. To gain wisdom is to fear God. Like, and it's, and it's not a trembling, it's not like a horror film. This isn't like a Hellraiser thing where you're fearing God. Like it's not, if you've seen that movie, if you haven't, forgive me. It's, it's not like Freddy Krueger fear God. It's, it's a peaceful, joyful, sustaining, 
trusting in the middle of the chaos and the storm, going, God, I, I want your will. Like above all things, I want your will. I'm listening to you more than I'm listening to these distractions. And, and I will follow you through anything. To gain wisdom, ask God. These are the practical parts. Just ask. We're going to talk more about that today. James 1.5 says, If any of you lacks wisdom, again, I'm in that, let him ask God who gives generously to all without reproach. He will not hold back. He doesn't play favors in this area. He says, ask and I'll give it to you. And it will be given. In the Bible, and this is what's cool. This is why we're in Proverbs. This is a whole, whole thing that redeems these books and even King Solomon. It says, in the Bible, wisdom is not a thing, but a person. The early Christians saw Jesus as the embodiment of wisdom and became wise as they walked with him. If we didn't have Jesus, like Proverbs would be just what they are. They're just, they're things to like poke and prod you to get you think a little bit. They're not meant to be laws. They're not meant to be legalistically followed. They're just meant to, meant to be wise. Kind of like imagine that table of, of wise men and women sitting in the corner of King's Cafe, right? Talking, sharing, sharing knowledge throughout the years. Where to fish, where not to fish, when to fish, when not to fish. Right? They're sharing knowledge and bits of information that are good to live by. By the way, go fishing with Sam much. He knows exactly where the, where the uh, King Salmon grocery store is. I mean, literally. We pulled up our shopping cart, and they just started jumping in. Like jumping in the back of the cart. And, and actually, Sam is the most dynamic, fun. He was like an MTV ESPN King Salmon catching commentator. Like, you know, a fish would flip up above the ocean water and he'd be like, air show! You know, and, and I, like, when I went fishing with my dad, it, it was like, it's just night and day different, right? Quiet. Thank you, Sam. That was an entertaining day. I bring that up because like the wisdom that I was pouring out of him about fishing, the tides, being able to read the map and know what the sea floor looked like, knowing where to go to take two Texas gringos out and actually have a good time. Thankfully, Blake and I stayed far enough away from each other that we didn't hook each other in the ears or the hair or the, or the face, right? It was amazing. Thank you for that. Wisdom in the Bible is a person, just like I'm describing Sam with fishing in the Bible. Every time you see wisdom, you have to ask yourself, they're pointing towards Christ. God sent wisdom for us. God was saying, I've given you guys all the knowledge. I've given you guys the Ten Commandments. Like, I've given you all the things to live by, and you're still wrestling with it. So now I need to put my knowledge and information in action and I'm sending you Christ. The early Christians saw Jesus as the embodiment of wisdom and became wise as they walked with him. To gain wisdom, this is where we wrapped up last week, follow Christ. Literally. He is the only way, the only truth, the only life. He is the only way we, we get to see the Father in heaven like nothing else gets us there. 
following Christ is grace alone. That's it. That's it. You guys know that because I say it every week. Forgive me for, for beating that one in the ground, but I think it's actually a pretty good cause, right? Share the gospel. Ecclesiastes 9.13 through 15. Solomon again. The wisdom I have also seen under the sun, and it seemed great to me. There was a little city with few men in it, and a great king came against it, besieged it, and built great snares around it. Now there was found in a poor wise man, by he and his wisdom delivered the city. Yet no one remembered that same poor man. Again, it's talking about how easy it is for us to get caught up in the conquest, caught up in our own plans, our careers, our goals, like my will again, right? What does it say? Folly and snares. But the old man, the wise man, I think it's pointing to, said, no, no, it was Christ and Christ alone that protected this city. So wisdom, a couple of definitions. The ability to make good judgments based on what you have learned from experience. Wisdom is knowledge put into action. We just talked about that. Knowing what's best and doing what's best are two different things entirely. Folly, on the other hand, on the other side of the scales, lacking good sense, foolishness, that's an act of sheer folly, as they used to say. It's a pretty old term. What brought it to life for me was this definition of a costly ornamental building with no practical purpose, especially a tower or mock Gothic ruin built in a large garden or park. And we looked at a couple of examples this week. We, but remember the Tower of David in Jerusalem? Look at these incredible walls. That tower is meant to be a watchtower. Be watchful. Stand firm in the faith. You'll see a, a close-up of the Tower of David. And then next, you'll see two examples of folly, of fake architecture. Literally, it's called folly architecture, if you, any of those you in room are architects. So we're talking about wisdom and folly. We started in Proverbs 1. Today, we'll continue in Proverbs 2. I don't think we'll get through all 31 Proverbs in this series, by the way. So I, I'm trusting that this will excite you enough to like finish them on your own. And it's actually really cool to start a new year in the Proverbs since there's 31. You can lit literally just read one chapter a day. And it's quick. It's easy to, it's again, it's for the simple. Like it's for those of us that are simple-minded, but it's for the wise. It's a good reminder. So I commend you to do that. Today, turn with me to Proverbs 2, 1 through 5. There are some powerful words in this simple passage. We'll go over them in a second, but just let me see if you can hear them as I read. These are God's words, ordained and inspired by Him, inerrant. They're here for a purpose and reason, so that we may have wisdom. It says, My son, if you receive my words and you treasure my commands within you, so that you incline your ear to wisdom and you apply your heart to understanding. Yes, if you cry out for discernment and you lift up your voice for understanding, if you seek her as silver, talking about wisdom again, and search for her as for hidden treasures, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. 
Again, there's something about this, like fearing the Lord, like saying, God, I, I mean, who has seen God this week? Like, has he showed up and knocked on your front door yet? Like, has, has he jumped in the car with you yet? There's something mysterious about a God that we cannot see, but I'm incredibly grateful for those of you who, like me, says, God, I want to see you. Like, I, I want to see you, you know? Who's with me on that sometimes? And he shows up. That's why he sent his son. So he can say, I'm not just a mysterious guy that you can't see. I promise you can wrap your arms around me. He sent his son. Thousands of people witnessed him. Thousands of people wrote about it, even non-Christians, to give the story credibility. And all the disciples, many of the disciples and followers, literally gave their lives to testify that they walked and saw and lived with the Christ, the Messiah. So when we pray, or when a friend asks you, when's the last time you saw God? As Scripture says, be ready to share the hope that you have. Be ready to share your testimony. In the middle of the storm, He especially shows up. In the middle of the darkness, He especially shows up. Just give them thanks and say, thank you for being here even now. My favorite prayer to pray is, God, wrap your arms around them. And I'm being so literal about that. Because it's like, send them sons and daughters, brothers and sisters, to wrap your arms around that person. As Christ did for so many when he was here. So this is fun. This is the cool part. This is why we're in Proverbs 2 today. Let us search for God's wisdom. It's an action word. Like it's a, this is not a passive, weak, like I'm just going to sit here and wait for somebody to bring me a snow cone or a hot cup of coffee, you know. And there is wisdom in other contexts on waiting for the Lord. So, But in this sense, what we're getting from these Proverbs today, it says, let us search for God's wisdom. Even when we're waiting, we can search for His wisdom. Some of my favorite quotes, this is from Kidner. The search, strenuous as it may be, it's not unguided. It's a starting point, a revelation specific and practical. Its methods is not one of free speculation but of treasuring and exploring received teachings so it is to penetrate, to saturate to their principles. The search, strenuous, but not unguided. This next one from Ross says, accept, it's talking about this action word of accepting his wisdom and knowledge, is paralleled with store up meaning store up the treasure, a figure that implies that most teaching cannot be used immediately, but that some time will pass before education's effects are felt. It takes time. Like, it's like a coffee pot that, that won't just brew that, that cup of coffee just that morning. It takes a little bit of time to get that first cup of coffee. What's cool is after many years or months or time and wisdom and God's word and following Christ, every time you grab for a cup of coffee, it's hot, hot and fresh. You're like, it's there. But it took a while for it to build up. 
You remember those of you who went through specialized training, whether it be in the Coast Guard or college or even like next to your dad on the fishing boat, like that specialized training over the year? Those first few weeks, what do they call you on a fishing boat? What is it? A, gr- a greenhorn, right? That's why I wear those extra tufts and they like have, don't like, drop a dirt on them. So I'd probably be a greenhorn. I wouldn't know anything on that boat. I'd get a little drop at a time. And after five years, I might have a pretty good job down, right? I might be able to support my family. After 10 years, like I, I don't know where I would be, but I would have so much more wisdom as the day that I bought my first pair of extra tufts, you know, right? in Sutliff's downtown, which is an exciting moment, by the way. That's, that's, a, that's a good feeling. You find that, like, I've been here long enough. I can wear these things. Sorry. No judgment in, in this town. Treasures. Here's another one. Treasures my commands within you. God's intention is that you and I make his wisdom our own. We are to learn it from the Bible. Literally, the Bible is the only book. I'm choleric. I say things so black and white. The Bible is the main book that we go to. His truth, His Word. There are other great books, by the way, that reference the Bible in a very practical way. Nobody is to know it in our stead instead of us, essentially. We can't count on our parents' knowledge of the Word. Like, as spouses, I can't count on my spouse's knowledge of the Word. Although that's a good thing. Like, I, I can't, like, I, I can't, you guys can't, right? Here's some wisdom and a warning that sound really weird. You can't even trust what I say sometimes. I mean, you should. But, but the point is, is that you need to put it up against the Word and say, is this truth from God's Word? Are we not compromising His truth? Right? Hopefully that sounded somewhat normal (laughs) not weird pastors are charged by god with helping us grow but we this is my point must make his word ours so as to keep it with us and that's by phillips let's keep going proverbs 2 6 through 9 for the lord gives wisdom from his mouth comes knowledge and understanding he stores up sound wisdom for the upright again stores up deposits over time he is a shield to those who walk uprightly he guards the path of justice and preserves the way of his saints his saints those of us who said i'm following christ that's the saints that's the point of the church the gathering of us we are holy not because we are sinless we are holy because we follow christ and we accept him as lord and savior like we are holy because we are his children those of us who said i'm following you i'm on your plan a lot of people in the community especially those who aren't christians and don't go to church and maybe they have a bent towards bent against the church might say what you've heard the words before but the church is full of what hypocrites but the church is full of what imperfect people And if we are to be a hospital, is what Scripture says, for the last, for the lost, for the least. I am one of the last. I am one of the lost was. And humbly, I'm one of the least. Even as your pastor. But Christ, right? 
but God. He is what makes me holy. It's not that we don't sin as Christians, it's that we sin less over time. There's this thing about wisdom and about over time. There's this thing about hanging in together even through the tough times to love and encourage and say keep going not to tear down. But to love one another. Right? That's wisdom. Over time, it should see Christ increasingly growing within us. Increasingly is the goal. In your marriage, in your relationships, think about it this way. For those of you that are single, this is just some free, free advice for the future. Like, we are infatuated with our spouses when we first get married. Like, infatuated. We will do anything for that other person. And I call that, you know, the, the honeymoon phase. And then you enter into the disillusionment phase. That person that I was so infatuated with is, they're probably the most imperfect person on the planet. And, and my parents will, will agree with me and justify that, right? We're in the disillusionment phase. It happens in all relationships. And then you finally get to, because of wisdom, because of character, because of a lot of times, the only time you get to the disillusionment phase is when you put your head and heart into this, just to be honest, and you share with people that love you and say, no judgment here. We've been there before, and I promise you'll get through it. You finally get to step into the wisdom phase, the maturity phase, the maturation phase. And I think it happens somewhere between 30 and 31, so if you've missed it, you missed it. There's no hope for you. So I'm, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. There's no timeline for when we enter this phase. It's between you and God and those that you love that are around you that are walking with you, your wise counsel. All right, let's keep going. God's wisdom protects is what I'm trying to say. Literally protects your marriage, protects your heart, protects your career. It, it protects you from the fiery darts, from the very real trials and storms, some of them even allowed by God if you can believe it. Some are consequences of, my, of our own actions, right? Some are actually allowed by God. If you've ever read the book of Job, that poor dude, oh my goodness. I believe this whole coronavirus has brought upon us a, a little bit of a Job season. I think some families have felt more like Job in this last season than, than ever before. Be praying for one another. Be encouraging one another. He is a shield. Romans 12, 17. This one jumped out this week. Do not repay evil for evil. Those of you who, who lost the presidency this last year, you're, like your man lost and the other man won, and you put your jersey on, and, and I, I'm, not, I'm trying not to reveal which side I'm on, which is because I'm a pastor, and I'm not supposed to do that. But you're like, I'm going to... That other, both parties were evil in the other person's eyes. Like, I, I just, I've heard that from all my friends. Like, it, this, they're evil and they're evil and they're evil. No, they're evil. And even you have said it, right? Even each, 
And it's like, no, no, no. Do not repay evil for evil. Trust what God is doing. Trust what he's doing. This next one, 1 Peter 5, 6. Therefore, humble yourselves. Right? Especially when you feel like, like wrapping your fist and putting the gloves on, jumping in the ring, and you're ready to roll. It's like, no, no, no. Humble yourself. Stay in the locker room with your coaches. Like getting this, the only thing that will sustain you and win this battle for you. God's wisdom protects. Proverbs 2, 10 through 11 says it this way. When wisdom enters your heart, remember saturation, and knowledge is pleasant to your soul. Think about this. When you joyfully receive it. Right? Not, not like when your parents used to get on to you and, and you'd go and what? You'd slam your door for those of you that were allowed to do that. Folly, right? Discretion will preserve you understanding will keep you. God's wisdom rescues. So I'm going to take, take a chance, show you a movie that, that my wife asked me to never play again in our house because we've watched it too many times. It's one of my favorite movies, The Matrix. <laughs> right? It actually parallels the life of Christ if you can get past a lot of the violence. So there was violence in his day, the Romans. And there is this high council that sits in Zion. And they are the wise council who are making decisions and hearing from all the different parties in the room. And they're taking all of this into consideration, right, for what's best for their community. These, these people are at war with the Romans, with so the high council, there's two guys, two leaders pleading. One is Commander Locke. Commander Locke has been put in charge of the military. He is responsible for protecting every man, woman, and child, and he will give his life to protect them. He is at odds, though, with Morpheus, this next guy. He's, Morpheus is the cool guy. He's the wise guy. Actually, wisdom. And Morpheus is saying... He's fighting with Commander Locke. Commander Locke's trying to get every man, woman, and child with a gun in their hands to fight. And Morpheus is saying, I, I don't believe that's what we're called to do. I believe we're supposed to, we're supposed to let this person who's been called to fulfill, it's Christ's parallelism, to fulfill his destiny and do what he's supposed to do. And they didn't know what that was. And Commander Locke says, I don't believe that for one second. It sounds like folly. sounds like foolishness. And Morpheus says, what, do you remember this line? I love this line. My belief does not require you to. There wasn't repaying evil for evil. There wasn't vengeance. There wasn't punch him in the eye because you disagreed. There wasn't yelling at the top of your lungs so that you can control someone. Morpheus says, my beliefs don't require you to. That's your choice. So at the end of it, if you guys know the story, I'm going to have to get some popcorn and watch this tonight. I'm excited. So at the end of it, Neo, who literally has been fighting this whole movie, Jiu-Jitsu and Krav Maga, like what are some other words thrown in there? Like He was doing all of it. He was kicking it. But none of that really made a difference. All the striving, all the fighting, all the, like none of it mattered because that wasn't the plan. The control, the 
it's my way or the highway. Like none of that mattered. None of that was going to win this war. It was the submitting to even the enemy to say, my beliefs don't require me to do anything. It just do what I'm called to do and submit and humble myself and say, God, I trust you. God's wisdom rescues. Literally, God's wisdom rescues. It's in this story and everything I'm trying to say today is trying to say like you, have, you don't have to do anything. Literally, as much as like sit down on your couch or get on your knees and just say, God, I need your wisdom. Like I need to see you right now. I love to do that. Like Jedediah, he's like the best one at calling me and we pray over the phone. And I told you before, and I'm laying on the carpet in my face. Every now and then Myra comes in and catches us. Like talk, like it's some sort of like Christian bromance maybe. But no, really, like it's awesome to be able to know I'm seeking God in this with a brother, just as many of us have. During the good times, during the tough times, God's wisdom is the only thing, remember, Christ sent for us is God's wisdom and His Word given to us. And this last thing, and one another. One another. There's something very powerful about the one another's. And remember, we're not perfect people. Like we are all in a process. But I believe every one of us is trying to do what's right and trying to follow Christ and trying to stay in His Word. Proverbs 2, 12 through 15, and I'll wrap up. This is what he's rescuing us from. To deliver you from the way of evil, from the man that speaks perverse things, from those who leave the paths of rightness, to walk in the ways of darkness, who rejoice in doing evil, who are devious in their paths, and delight in the perversity of the wicked, whose ways are crooked. We don't have to look very far to see these things even in our own paths, in our own life, in the community, those that we pray for. Like even in my own family, I still pray for those that are stuck in the things that I once was stuck in. Yeah, and I'm, I'm not trying to convict each of us for anything. I'm just saying we are given wisdom and light and protection and rescuing because we as humans can very easily give ourselves over to this other thing. And we, when we are not in this, when we, when we don't have brothers and sisters and one another to hold each other accountable, and I believe this last part, when we aren't in actual discipling relationships where we truly know one another and understand each other's heart, it's so easy to trip and fall and land in this other spot, even for Christians. Even for Christians. We as humans try and find hope in so many things, in other people, in relationships, our jobs, our titles. You know, I think about your office door or your ship vessel door. You know, what's the title on there? Or that thing when I finally retire and hope that God, did I do what you called me to do? Was this title what you called me to do and made me to be? We as humans try to find our hope in so many other things. Achievement, knowledge, education, power, control, temptation. 
And I just want to stand in front of you again and remind you, like this proverb, proverb 2, all through Proverbs, Jesus is our wisdom. He is our only rescue. Literally. And, and I think there's something cool about a Scripture that says, I want you to daily die to yourself. Daily. Take up your cross. Daily. And follow me. Daily. I want you to die to yourself. Take up your cross. Follow me. Jesus is our wisdom. And it's a daily choice. We have to accept it. We have to stay in it. Even when times are hard. Even and especially when you lose hope. Stay in Christ. His protecting. His rescuing. His providing. His eternal wisdom. For the Lord gives wisdom. From His mouth come knowledge and understanding. He stores up sound wisdom for the upright. He is a shield to those who walk uprightly. He guards the path of justice and preserves the way of His saints. That's all of us who profess faith in Him. Then you will understand righteousness and justice, equity in every good path. Let's pray. Father, I am so thankful that You sent Christ for us. I'm so thankful that you give us your scripture, a mirror that we look at ourselves in and we can see our own foolishness. We can see and hear the words from friends who love us and we can take a step towards you. I'm so thankful that you've never run out of patience with me. You've never run out of patience with everyone in this room. Do you give us infinite opportunities to turn away from wickedness and things that seem right in our own eyes and hearts and turn, turn towards you. If you've been like running your own trail, running your own path, have not been pursuing Christ in these last few years, maybe ever, I want to encourage you today to put a stake in the ground and say, I want his wisdom. I want Christ to be Lord of my life. I'm tired of doing this life my way. I believe he died for my sin. You can make today, that day, your day. Father, forgive us. We love you. We give you our whole life. Thank you for leading us and guiding us in your wisdom. And it is Jesus' name we pray. Amen.